Mindy Peterson, and this is Enhanced Life with Music, a holistic look at the power of music in our everyday lives. Those of us who make music and listen to music, which is most of us, have seen many, many times these five capital letters, A-S-C-A-P, ASCAP. We see them on printed music. We see them in other places. Most of us see them so often and understand so little about them that they become sort of like the wallpaper of music visuals. They just sort of blend into the fine print and we don't really give much thought to them. I've taught piano lessons for 30 years and I cannot think of one conversation that I've ever had with students about what those letters stand for, even though we see them at the bottom of some of their printed music by the copyright information. I have with me today a member of the ASCAP Board of Directors, Alex Shapiro. Alex holds the Symphonic and Concert Writer member seat on the Board of Directors of ASCAP and also serves on the board of the ASCAP Foundation. Alex has woven a dynamic composing career with avid pursuits of wildlife photography, nonfiction writing, and a devotion to advocacy. Her works are heard daily in concerts and broadcasts and can be found on over 30 commercially released recordings from around the world. Welcome to Enhanced Life with Music, Alex. Hi, Mindy. Thank you. I'm looking forward to this conversation. I am too. I'm looking forward to enlightening us because, like I said, I I feel like I've seen ASCAP so many times in so many places that they do sort of blend into this kind of like wallpaper for me where I I don't really think much about them, but I see them all the time. And I was kind of thinking to myself, where do we see these letters? And like I mentioned already, we see them at the bottom of scores, musical scores, by the copyright information. In fact, I have a book of music right with me that I grabbed from my shelf. I'm looking at, it's a, a Harry Potter movie songbook. And one of these scores has ASCAP at the bottom by that copyright information. And I I was realizing that another place that I've always seen those letters is less common for today's generation, because I'm thinking of those liner notes Mm -hmm. that we would see on like record albums or CD albums and with all the streaming that goes on today, we don't necessarily see those anymore. I know I also see ASCAP on Sundays at church services when they put the credits for the worship songs up on the screen. And when I'm playing for church services, again, down at the bottom of the page by the copyright information, you see that. Are there any other common places that those letters show up? (laughs) You've named a lot of them. And I think basically what what, what ASCAP is, every place everybody's seeing it, is affiliation. And uh, you also kept talking about copyright. And that is the magic word, because we're so lucky that in this country, intellectual property is protected, and we have copyright laws. So um, ASCAP, the the magic letters, A-S-C-A-P, stand for the American Society of Composers, Authors, and Publishers. ASCAP is the oldest U.S. performing rights organization, otherwise known as a PRO. Sometimes people have heard that term, a PRO. Yeah. It was founded over 100 years ago in 1914 in order to protect the rights of composers and to collect fees that are, that creators are due, you know, for the publish, for the public performances of our music. That's a lot of P's. The, um, all those performances generate income for the people who own those copyrights. Mm -hmm. So, 
our U.S. Constitution protects creators, right? And the founders really, really believed in the principle that in order to encourage creativity and to encourage advancement in the arts and the sciences, there had to be laws to protect creators by giving them rights to their own creations. Mm. So, you know, the rights of songwriters and lyricists to be paid for the performances of their music was affirmed in the U.S. by the Copyright Act of 1909. So this has been around for a while. So what ASCAP is, and where we see all those affiliations next to people's names or publishing companies, it's a very sophisticated nonprofit collection agency. <laughs> it's able to track whose music is being performed where and then pay the copyright holder accordingly. So to give you an idea just how huge this is, in 2022, uh, ASCAP collect and collects as of right now and pays out money for over a trillion, with a T, <laughs> trillion performances. It's unbelievable. It's really mind-boggling. And as you can imagine, this isn't a task that most composers would be able to do on their own, right? It's very, very hard to track your own music or all the uses of your music. So that's where an organization like ASCAP comes in. And so in accordance with, you know, intellectual property and copyright laws, ASCAP collects the royalties and the licensing fees from music presenters and performance venues and broadcasters. And it distributes these monies to its members who have created the very content that is helping these venues earn their money, <laughs> composers, lyricists, and music publishers. I can tell you a little mm -hmm. story about this if you want, but it's, it's, a, it's a really great kind of collection agency to, uh, to enforce the law. Sure. Yeah. Tell us your story. Oh, <laughs> well, it's, alluded a, to there. <laughs> it's a cute story because, you know, ASCAP was actually founded by a bunch of composers, most notably the composer Victor Herbert, who people might remember from the turn of the last century uh, uh, as being known for his operettas, I think. And he was the leading figure among about 182, I think, original ASCAP members, one of whom, by the way, was also John Philip Sousa. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> and the story goes, and I'm going to elaborate for the purpose of just entertaining you, <laughs> but the story <laughs> is basically that Mr. Herbert was sitting in a restaurant one day, and he heard his music being played, and he noticed that the restaurant patrons were really enjoying it. And hey, they probably stayed in the establishment a little longer, and just because of it, you know, ordered and paid for more food and more beer. <laughs> Mr. Mm -hmm. Herbert looked around at the restaurant and he thought, gee, hmm, the owner had to pay for the tablecloths and for the flowers and for the cute little vases that the flowers are sitting in, all of which enhance the dining experience and make mm -hmm. people enjoy being there and spend more money. And he thought, you know, I deserve to be paid for the use of my music, which is clearly enhancing that experience as well. And uh, and again, the Constitution provides for this, and the copyright law just that was passed, you know, in 1909, just a few years earlier, provides for this. So that's kind of how it all started. Wow, oh, interesting. And boy, only I mean, within five years of that copyright law going into effect, they started yeah. ASCAP. It's huh? like let's get our money. <laughs> we we deserve yeah. this. It's it's provided yeah. for us. But of course, you know, unless you kind of go after it, most venues are not going to voluntarily just say, here, have a bunch of money. You know, you really do have to encourage them. 
<laughs> and tell sure. them this is why it's right for this to, to you know for you guys to to pay us this is why yeah so yeah yeah you mentioned that ASCAP is the oldest PRO is it the oldest in the U.S. or anywhere probably in the U.S. but I that's a great question I don't know about the other countries okay. that's a great question I'll have to find and that it's out the largest yeah. I believe globally right it, I mean you mentioned over a one trillion performances yeah, it's a lot by it every year it's a lot it's right up there as at least one of the biggest. Um, it is, it's huge. Yeah. Okay. So, one of them. I'll, I'll link in the show notes to another episode that I did with Song Trust, actually a couple of them, but we mentioned in, in those episodes, some other information about PROs. And so I'll link in that for listeners who want to sort of dig into this a little bit more. But as you explained so well, ASCAP is a PRO that music creators sign up with so that their royalties can be collected on their behalf and turned back over to them exactly. by ASCAP exactly. in exchange for a membership fee, right? right? A very modest, okay. <laughs> very modest okay. membership fee. And uh, you get a lot of bang for the buck. ASCAP is a nonprofit organization, so it's not making money off of us. It's just wanting to collect the money and get it back to the creators who earned it. Are all PROs nonprofit? Nope, not oh. necessarily. Ah. Nope. nope. Okay. Yeah. And one thing that's sort of unique, I believe, about ASCAP is it is founded and governed by members. That's correct. So that really helps ensure that every decision that is made really is in the best interest of its members. Absolutely. As a whole. Absolutely. This is so, so true. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Anything else unique about ASCAP compared to other PROs? I mean, we, you already covered a lot oh, of yeah. them, but anything else that you want well, to touch yeah. on? Sure. To the next you topic? Know, that business model itself, you know, the fact that it's ASCAP is governed, as you said, by the actual copyright holders, you know, the music creators and the publishers, not executives at broadcast and communications companies or private equity firms or corporate shareholders, you know, and so this means that all the money that comes in goes straight out to the rights holders as opposed to having to be paid out to other outside investors first. That's a big, big difference. And I think the other thing that I've always found really impressive about ASCAP and how tight a ship it runs as a nonprofit is that it has, I'd say that um, almost 90% of the money it collects, uh, which is well over a billion with a B dollars in royalties every year, goes right back out to the members. And so that's by far the lowest operating expense of any such organization. I mean, it's really, really wow. impressively low. And as you said, you know, we're member oriented and democratically run. It's a democratically elected board of directors made up of 12 composers and lyricists. Some of them are lyricists and 12 publishers. And it represents almost 900,000 members at this point, just short of 900,000 members writing in all genres. And I'm just very lucky. I've got the sole seat that's dedicated on the board to symphonic and concert music because mm -hmm. they know that the way we do business in symphonic and concert and also even educational music, you know, band, wind band, things like that. It's a different business model, and uh, and the contracts are different. A lot of things are different mm -hmm. about it than uh, film and TV or pop music, per se. Huh. So we have, you know, that's why they always want to make sure they have voices on the board that are dedicated to that. Not that we all don't write all kinds of music, because I write plenty of pop stuff and jazz, and my uh, colleagues on the uh, film and TV side certainly write concert music, but they want to always make sure that they've got certain voices representing the needs of, you know, the membership. Mm. 
Well, and it's interesting to point out too, I mean, not only do you have that huge a number of songwriters and composers and publishers represented, like you said, almost 900,000, but this includes all genres and it includes all stages of the individual's careers. You have the greatest names in music, but all the way down to those who are just sort of in that early stage of their careers, up and coming writers and musicians. Exactly. And I think that's a huge thing. It's something that I've always really admired about ASCAP. I've been an ASCAP member for a very long time. I joined, you know, probably when I was in conservatory, uh, so 40 years ago or whatever. But what I've always admired about the ethos of the of the organization is it cares so much about members. And as you say, Mindy, about up and coming members, developing mm-hmm. talent, supporting talent that you know, hasn't found its voice yet or hasn't been discovered yet or whatever, that would be the majority of those, you know, 875,000, 900,000 members. The majority of them are still on the up and up and up, you know, and a few of them are not going to get beyond the first up. <laughs> and many, uh-huh. and sure. hopefully many more will get up and above and over, you know. Sure. And uh, see, so that it's so important to invest in talent and invest in the long throw of somebody's career, you know, because there are almost no so-called overnight successes. The arts are something that you work really, really hard at for a long time. And eventually, all that hard work ends up paying off and and kind of piles up. And that's sort of the, the issue with royalties, in a sense, is that the nature of the business is that it's a long tail business. You know, it's not just money up front and on to the next thing. You're investing for a lifetime of income from the use of that which you've created. Mm. And royalty income is a huge part of somebody's financial picture. And the older they get and the more works they have out there in the world, you know, the healthier that financial picture becomes. So it's a long tail. (laughs) Yeah, it's right. And that, that income is very, very, very important. Sure. One other statistic I'm just going to throw out there, too, is ASCAP licenses over 16 million songs and scores, which is a huge number. (laughs) But they license those to the the businesses that play them publicly. And Mm -hmm. we've, we've already implied or alluded to some of the public performances that are covered by ASCAP. But you mentioned TV radio, mm-hmm. music that's played in restaurants, but also right. music that's played in clubs. Like what that's right. I mean, we think of like nightclubs and things like that, but also fitness clubs yep. and hair uh, salons. Yeah. <laughs> Any anybody who's piping in music, you know, anybody who's who's earning money and enhancing their venue by piping in music. Sure. It, you know, I mean, literally, you know, a hair and nail salon. Sure. Um, well, and websites, too. I mean, yeah. you think about all of the changes in technology in the last few decades here, and I'm sure that's really changed what ASCAP oh, yeah. does in terms of the different sources that they're collecting from. Absolutely. And, and what's considered a public performance. Absolutely. And that, that's been a, a very, very huge issue because, you know, our whole industry is changing. The, you know, the one thing that doesn't change is copyright law and the, and the right to earn money from your intellectual property. However, the vehicles, you know, the way the music is being transmitted or, you know, the fact that it's not physical anymore. I think one of the biggest hits, so to speak, that we've taken in the industry happened once, you know, in in the mid 90s when we started having digital music. And no longer did people have to buy a physical item in order like an LP or a cassette Mm -hmm. or a CD, you know, to hear 
music, right? It was just sort of in the air magically, right? And, uh, and very, very easy to share with everybody else. And there our woes began. And so something that's is called mechanicals, which is, by the way, a right that ASCAP does not collect, but mechanical royalties have become really problematic in an age of streaming. You know, mm-hmm. streaming rights or uh, streaming royalty rates are very, very low given, given what's out there. And this is been an ongoing battle and ASCAP's at the forefront of making very good headway for its members, but it's a different world now. It's a yeah. really different world. And very complex too. I remember when I did my first interview with Song Trust, very quickly I was like, whoa, this is beyond my yeah. great pay grade. Like <laughs> this is really a complex field. <laughs> it is. Like let's just yeah. try to stay out of the weeds as best we can on that. <laughs> you know? yeah. So it's yeah, it's really a complex uh <laughs> field. And I'm sure it just continues to get more so that way as technology evolves. <laughs> exactly. When you look at where technology is headed, it's it's it is really um, head swimmingly complicated and it's marvelous. And I think there's so much exciting stuff heading down the pike that for both users and creators, it's going to be incredible. But tracking those performances and figuring out who indeed is a creator at this point when you're mm. when you let's say have an implant or a wearable that's transmitting all the time mm-hmm. <laughs> you know and and going back and forth i mean it's it's like wh- whatever we think of social media now is going to be laughably primitive compared to where we're heading in just a few years and uh, again compensating and and uh, remunerating the creators who own these copyrights is getting a little tricky. Sure. <laughs> it, it, I know that the, that it can be done, but it is definitely a lot more complicated than back in the days of when somebody bopped into a, a record store and bought a physical LP and walked out with it. You yeah. know, very, very different. Yeah. yeah. Well, and that just shows the increasing value that ASCAP has because it's increasingly hard for individual creators to yes. go back and sort of claw back or collect all of the royalties that are due them for all yeah. of these various outlets that could be considered a public performance. Whereas if they can just sign on with ASCAP, <laughs> they can let ASCAP deal with it. Hooray! Yes. <laughs> Hey friends, this is Dr. Garrett Hope. I am a speaker, coach, and composer. I am also host of the Portfolio Composer podcast and founder and executive director of the Ultimate Music Business Summit. The third annual Ultimate Music Business Summit is a three-day virtual conference that'll be held on January 5th, 6th, and 7th, 2023. This three-day virtual event features over two dozen speakers to help you build your music business. As a musician, you care about your art, You want to make a difference in your community and in the world. You want to pass your knowledge on to your students. And you want to do more than trade your time for money and just get by every month. UMBS is all about the one thing you didn't learn in music school, realizing that you are a business. It offers dozens of ways to build a career as an independent musician, including marketing, copywriting, studio development, mindset, money, and networking opportunities. Whether you're a composer, touring musician, studio teacher, recording artist, or professor, UMBS is for you. This year, VIP ticket holders get a printed program book along with a sweet box of goodies. Get your ticket now at musicsummit.biz. Well, you talked about some of the up-and-coming musicians and creators and how that really is a large percentage of those close to 900,000 members that you have. Tell us about some of the benefits and resources that ASCAP membership provides to 
all of its members, but you know, yeah. especially valuable just, to especially some of these up and coming musicians. Yeah, tell exactly. us about those benefits and resources. Oh, I'd love to. It is a long list. I'll tell you, it's amazing. It's an amazing number of you know support initiatives that really, really enhance members' careers with resources and information and direct assistance. And it ranges from all over the map, like from technology and wellness and community building, where we're connecting people to each other, to all the way to legislative advocacy and diversity issues. ASCAP, and you know, as I was just saying before, it's at a time where technology is everything and data is everything. ASCAP is so technology forward, you know, it's really dialed in to all the new tools that are impacting the future of our music business. Um, it launched not too long ago, I want to say two, three years ago, launched something called the ASCAP Lab that supports a whole range of projects that are designed to advance the creation and the consumption of music on both the creator and the user sides. You know, for everything from like spatial audio and biometrics and wearables and artificial intelligence and virtual and augmented and mixed realities, right? And all these oh, other yeah. future-oriented tools that's going to just change the way we experience music. And ASCAP's also the only US PRO with a proof of concept on blockchain. You know, it's because it, oh, it just wants to make sure that whatever, whatever is out there, whatever the tool du jour is, we're going to be on top of it and make sure, mm. you know, and ASCAP has a comprehensive wellness program. I think it's the only PRO that has this, you know, that supports members, physical and mental well-being. And that's huge, especially in the arts, you know, people need care and they don't always give it to themselves. And so ASCAP's outreach is fantastic with that. Yeah, when I saw that page on ASCAP's website, the the front page, kind of the landing page of the wellness program has a big front and center quote by Michael Franti, which mm-hmm. I'm a huge fan of his. So I'm like, oh, you had me right there. <laughs> but, but he says, I'm super excited and grateful that ASCAP has made a commitment to helping artists be mindful stewards of their own bodies and hearts so that they can be the best musical messengers of optimism, wellness, and healing possible. But there's wow. a a lot of great resources right on there. I mean, I'm a big yeah. fan of wellness too, and being able to combine wellness and music. So I would that wellness program component really caught my attention. And that is a beautiful quote. I hadn't seen that. That's a great quote. Okay, it's so true. Um, you cannot separate your your mind and your creative work from your body, and you mm-hmm. know, and your mental health. All of this. Yeah. Is, and the older you get, the more you realize that too. And uh, so I think it, it's just so forward thinking of ASCAP to say, okay, we're we're going to reach out and make sure that we are helping our members in in this regard as well. Yeah. And I think as part of that wellness program too, ASCAP partners with Music Cares. Yes. Yep. So Music Absolutely. Cares is a, another nonprofit that That's right, listeners are familiar with that. They really exist to help the the humans behind the music be right. as as whole and healthy as possible. But they have a lot of safety net programs supporting health and welfare, mm-hmm. wellness. They have financial grants that are available yep. and uh, crisis relief type stuff. So yep. sounds like ASCAP has a pretty robust partnership and collaboration with Music Cares so that they can offer a lot of those benefits directly to their membership. Exactly. It's so important. And, uh, and it's really impressive what Music Cares does. They're just terrific. That's a great program. 
Um, and it has helped a lot of people. Mm. So yeah, and part of mental health to me is also community and the fact that even though we might be alone in our little caves, you know, creating all this music, <laughs> ultimately, it's, you know, it's going to get out there in the world because of other human beings, you know, and it's played often by other human beings, if it's not purely, you know, EDM tracks or something. And so, you know, the, the concept of community and that tribal sense of getting people together to share and experience things together has been huge. And about 15 years ago, I'm give or take, uh, ASCAP launched this really amazing multi-day conference in Hollywood called the ASCAP Expo. And it brought together thousands of creators in one place, whether they were big, big stars or just starting out. Everybody smushed together in the same meeting rooms, you know, to exchange ideas and, you know, and perform for each other and learn from each other. And now this has taken on the form of something called the ASCAP Experience, which is a whole wealth of webinars and interactive sessions that you can access online and participate online now. I think that it kind of shifted around the pandemic for obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's been just an amazing thing. I, I've spoken at most of the ASCAP expos, and so I've been to most of them. I stay for the whole thing because it's so exciting. And they cover, you know, again, every genre of music, every all kinds of creators coming and learning from each other. And what a great thing to do, to take the initiative, to put your members in the room where it happens, so to speak, in the room with each other. And so many people network and meet and end up collaborating out of this. Uh, it's it's beautiful. And the vibe is so great. I used to love going because just the happy vibe, <laughs> you'd go down the hallways and everybody was so excited to just be there and talk to strangers, you know, that soon became friends and all of that. It was, it's just a beautiful vibe. It's really a great thing because that's part of the mental health and human health process as far as I'm concerned is is community and as I said this is it can be a very isolating profession if you're writing full-time I mean now songwriters do collaborate with each other the concert music composers don't you know we sit in the room by ourselves and bang our heads (laughs) against the leg of the piano hoping for a decent idea (laughs) you know so we're really isolated but you know getting people together is a very big part of art you know, because art is communication and expression. And uh, so, again, ASCAP recognizes that in a, in a really, really big way. The other stuff that ASCAP does, which is huge, is its advocacy work uh, in Washington. And, you know, ASCAP has got two full-time lobbyists. One is a Republican and the other is a Democrat. So they're working mm-hmm. everybody. Great. And, you know, three because copyright should not be a partisan issue, Great. right? Uh, you know, and throughout the year, they organize meetings with senators and members of Congress on Capitol Hill and also in local state offices and over Zoom. I've done all of these many times. ASCAP lobbied really hard to get benefits like, um, you know, unemployment insurance coverage and also the Paycheck Protection Program that helped music creators during the pandemic when they weren't able because the venues were closed. Right. They couldn't perform anywhere. Right. And so, boom, here, have some money to, to make up for that. Here's something to help. And it really did help a lot of people. Yeah, I bet. And then the other civic stuff that ASCAP's really, really into um, is an initiative called ASCAP Citizen which is, again, nonpartisan. ASCAP is completely nonpartisan. But it's a nonpartisan campaign to promote civic engagement and voter registration. And they partner with Headcount, and we're doing a whole, you know, get out the vote thing right now in the weeks we have coming up before the, the midterm and making sure people register. And whatever their thoughts are, they need to vote. You know, they need to get out there and vote and be a citizen. And then, you know, ASCAP also is really big on using its platform and its visibility 
and its voice to combat racism and discrimination. And they launched something called Fight for Change. I think that was launched during the pandemic as well, uh, around 2019, 2020, I think. And it's got its own website, I think. And it's it's really terrific. And it raises awareness and it points people to all kinds of ways that they can get involved and help. And there's this whole range of programs that celebrate the diversity of the music community, you know, and empower underrepresented, as we call them, music creators, yeah. you know, and help and help them lead positive changes in the industry, like the HBCU internship program, and its support for this uh, thing called Amplifying Voices, which I don't know if you know about it, it's a program that fosters collaboration and collective action between US orchestras and composers with a goal of racial and gender equity in classical mm-hmm. music. So all these different ways of raising awareness and getting people involved and setting things up with these initiatives and projects as portals, basically, that members and others can step through and say, okay, here's here's how I can plug in and make a difference. Wow. What a comprehensive, multi-pronged approach to providing benefits for (laughs) for sure for music creators. And I know on the website, ASCAP's website, there's also a link for music users. And I'm not sure exactly all that's on there, but I think it's for like fitness facilities, restaurants, bars, Mm -hmm. you know, radio, houses of worship, that kind of thing. Exactly. So I'm sure we could have a really, really long episode just on the benefits (laughs) and resources that are provided Absolutely. That would actually be great. I mean, here I am a composer and a publisher talking about it, but it would be really great to have, you know, a restaurant owner or a salon or spa owner or somebody, you know, talk with you about this as well, because that's a very important perspective. Yeah. Yeah. I think ASCAP, do they also, I think they also have a podcast, right? Yes. They've got something called Versed, I think right now. I'll have to double check because there's always a podcast. (laughs) There's different (laughs) things that they've done. They've got really great stuff. Um, And uh, yeah, I think the current one of them, at least right now is called Versed. Okay. And even something as basic as signing up for ASCAP's email list, I Mm -hmm. did that and really quickly got an email that had a list of really fascinating resources that they had included in there, a songwriter's workshop, there was a music production boot camp, there was an article on how to improve your self-confidence as a music creator. So for people who just want to sort of dip their toe in the water and learn a little bit more on a not overwhelming basis, like just a little bit of information here and there. That would be even a great way to just start and get those periodic emails. I'm not getting inundated with them at all, but just getting that little that little bit of information here and there, just enough that you can absorb and stay familiar and learn a little bit more here and there about it. I love hearing you say this. This is so great um, because I I really love those emails too. And I I tend not to always like those kinds of emails, but I read these articles. And I also think to myself, just what you're saying, Mindy, is that even if you're not a music maker, you'll find a lot of this interesting because it kind of shows you how the sausage is made. You know, it it kind of gets you a little bit inside to our, our end of the business if you're not in this business or if you're, you know, obliquely involved with the business uh, in yeah. some way. Um, yeah, I think that the articles, that, that there's always something of interest. 
and they don't overwhelm you with too much stuff in one mailing. Right. It's like, just here, click on this. It looks really interesting. And it is. Yeah. Well, and ASCAP does have such a broad audience and broad membership yeah. that say if there's five or four resources mentioned in an email, you know, maybe there's only one that really pertains to you. Yeah. So it's really quick to just be like, oh, that doesn't apply. But that, ooh, that looks kind of exactly. interesting. Let me just click on that article and read the article and glean yeah. whatever I can from that little tidbit. I think they do a really good job of, of curating these uh, emails, you know, these newsletters or whatever you want to call them, these flyers, because there's something for everybody in them. Yeah. Well, real quick, I know you are not only on the board of directors for ASCAP, but you're on the board of the ASCAP Foundation. Can you yes. tell us just a little bit about what that is? Yeah, ASCAP Foundation is, it, it's really beautiful. Uh, what they do, I'm going to read you actually their mission right off their okay, website, because it's just one sentence. The ASCAP Foundation is dedicated to nurturing the music talent of tomorrow, preserving the legacy of the past, and sustaining the creative incentive for today's creators through a variety of educational professional and humanitarian programs and activities which serve the entire music community. So they've got an incredible array of programs for music lovers of all ages and music education and opportunities for young people to express themselves and maybe get further into this business if, if they have a spark and want to explore further. Um, we'll put a link to the ASCAP Foundation mm -hmm. on this podcast webpage so that people can check it out. It's Great. wonderful. I'm very proud to be an officer of the foundation. Yep. Well, we're almost out of time here, but Tell us, is there something that you wish more lay people understood about ASCAP and or is there something that you wish more music creators understood about ASCAP? And if you have an answer to both of those, then just take one at a time. Oh, yeah. Well, let, let me tell you, the specific lay people I care about getting these messages across to are the ones that use our music in one way or another and earn money, you know, and don't understand why they need to pay for it. Mm -hmm. Those are the people that I hope will listen to this and understand, you know, this is just basic American law and very hard work you know these these songs everything that people are hearing in the background has taken a great deal of time and money and sweat and tears and blood and everything in between to create and mm. the results from this work that they're hearing in the background maybe this is what puts food on the table for the very musicians that you like so much and the various mm -hmm. creators and songwriters and concert music composers and everybody else that you like so much. So I want I want the lay people to understand that connection, that it's not a hard thing. It's just really simple, you know, having the right to be paid for what you create. Mm -hmm. And then in terms of creators, what do I want creators to know? They need yeah. to join. <laughs> I can't <laughs> tell you how many times I've had to explain to even creators, they don't quite know how this works, which be, and the reason is, Who's telling them, right? If they're not being told in school, which they often aren't, you know, how do they find out? So basically, you know, if they're getting performances of their music, and if they let ASCAP know about all their titles in a very easy process called title registration, you know, which is on the classical side, and then on stage, I believe it's what it's called for the pop side, there is money waiting for them. Basically, when their music is played in venues that are licensed, that have blanket licenses or whatever, they're going to get some money, but they can only get paid if ASCAP knows that the pieces are there. So you have to register the titles. And then in concert music, if you happen to be on the concert music side, you go through a little extra process of a performance notification. And we do this in pop too. If you're doing a set in a club, you know, you use on stage, I believe is what it is. But you just, all you have to do is 
register the titles and let ASCAP know when you've got performances in addition to what it's going to find on its own, you know, through its amazing, you know, technology. And boom, there's a lot more money waiting for you than you might have realized. So that's what I want creators to know. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Fabulous. Well, this has been so enlightening. Thank you, yeah. Alex. <laughs> Thank you. It's such a I, I'm so impressed with your enthusiasm for ASCAP and the and the amount of time you have spent, Mindy, you know, looking into it. <laughs> I am really touched by that. And I know that the folks at ASCAP will be very happy too, because this is such a, a gift to have you want to have this conversation, you know, about mm-hmm. it. It's just great. Thank you. Well, it's been <laughs> fascinating. Well, Alex, I ask all my guests to close out our conversation with a musical ending, a coda, by sharing a <laughs> song or a story about a moment that music enhanced your life. Tell us about the song that you're going to be sharing with us in closing today. Oh, yeah. Well, this is, um, I thought I'd share the first movement, just an excerpt is what you'll hear, but I think the whole thing might be on uh, on the yes. webpage. I thought I'd share just a one minute of the, from the first movement of my uh, latest symphony, my second symphony that premiered last summer called Suspended. And it's a a movement called Airborne, which is a frenzied opening statement about the ills of our society. See, in keeping with my activism, right? Activism in my life and activism in my music. Uh, Not all my pieces have a message, but this one did. I wrote this symphony as a four-movement symphony, and I ended up writing it during the pandemic. And as one might imagine, I had a lot to say, Um, (laughs) whether it's we're dealing with, you know, social injustices and systemic racism, all the ills of the coronavirus the pandemic, all the politics, all the climate change, all the, you know, everything. It's It's been a lot. And it's a lot for anybody to cope with. And I think, you know, as creators, we're very, very lucky to have a, a way to express ourselves, you know, through music. So what you'll hear is a minute of Airborne. <laughs> Thank you so much to Alex for sharing that excerpt of Airborne and for sharing the full movement with us in the show notes. There are tons of links in today's show notes to all the resources we discussed in today's episode. You'll find all of them as well as a transcript of this episode and related episodes you may enjoy at mpetersonmusic.com slash podcast. This is episode 142. A link to the show notes page is also in the episode details right in your podcast app. You can always connect with me on email, mindy at mpetersonmusic.com, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or LinkedIn. Thank you so much for joining me today. Until next time, may your life be enhanced with music. Music.